Let's see. Um, hello. Welcome to Too Young for this trek. We are discussing Strange New Worlds Season 2, Episode 10, Hegemony. Hegemony, a.k.a. The Return of the Gorn. The Return of the Gorn. That's right. Um, this is written by Henry Alonzo Myers and directed by Maya Virvilo. Nice. Yeah, and uh, so this is the long-awaited uh, season finale. Um, we kind of called it pretty early on that we were going to, that this is probably going to be the Gorn episode. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the Gorn are definitely like the Borg of this series, you know, as you know, like compared to like T and G, you know, yeah. they're the big bad. And I actually, I think that's pretty clever. I think I like the way that they're, they're doing this. It's not too much, you know, they use them sparingly and when they do, it matters. Um, so what are your thoughts on that before we get into the actual episode? Well, I think, there's kind of two things. One, the Gorn were originally introduced in the original series episode, or I'm sorry, in the Those Old Scientists episode um, arena. And yes. <laughs> the sort of the, the wisdom that the episode attempted to ask you to take away from that episode is that even though the Gorn look like a monster, they're still people and they can still be reasoned with and you shouldn't just kill them. Um, just because <laughs> yeah. just because they're an alien thing, you're not supposed to go around just killing them, and uh, right, which is a great allegory. I mean, it's it's an awesome right. Reality that's tale, that's a good lesson. Is, yeah, I, that's I, TOS at its best. You know. Yeah, I'd I'd love to have more Star Trek having that be the lesson of the episodes. On the other hand, the way that the Gorn have been treated in Strange New Worlds is that they're monsters, they will zombify you, like they'll infect you, and then you become a threat yeah. to the people around you until you explode with more Gorns coming out of you. And it's just, it's kind of literally the opposite of the previous treatment of the <laughs> Gorn. Uh, the Gorn are so terrifying, you have to shoot them on sight, and everybody wants to kill the Gorn. And... I didn't get enough chances to kill the Gorn before, so now I want to go kill the Gorn this time with super anti-Gorn mega lasers. And it's like, I don't know, maybe yeah. maybe you're kind of... <laughs> there's an element to which they are missing the point of their own show, or their own that's, series. That's, you know, that's a fair criticism. I do think there there's definitely something to that, but I also think that we're getting a long, a long-form story here where the Gorn... Well, we're actually going to see another side of the Gorn eventually, right? At least that's where I think it's heading. Maybe. I'm not 100% positive, but it seemed like there were some small little hints in this episode that, like, Pike was, like, you know, kind of struggling with it. Like, you know, maybe we should kind of... I don't know. There was a couple lines in this episode that kind of hinted towards that. Um, yeah. I don't know. Did you pick up on that? What did you think? I, I think... Pike, in a way, wants to try and uh, approach the Gorn in the, the standard diplomatic way of, of being a Starfleet officer. Um, right. The problem is that like the show and most of the people on the show are treating the Gorn more like a hurricane. Uh, a hurricane is a dangerous and must be avoided, but you can't reason with it. Don't even bother trying talking with it. Just cope with it when it shows up, you know? Yeah. Which, I mean... Yeah, with the circumstances and stuff, it kind of makes sense the way they're acting. But yeah, I don't know. I, I'm curious to see where it goes as the show progresses. Yeah. Because I feel like there there is a chance here to kind of turn that around. No. I don't know. <laughs> it, it, it's kind of tricky territory. Um, mentioning but the yeah, another, future of the oh, show. Sorry. Well, I was just yeah. mentioning the future of the show is interesting because I heard that 
the um, some of the top people on Strange New Worlds would like to someday move to the original like 24 episode per season format. Whoa. Um, that's because I mean, like we think about this being the end of the second season or whatever, but this is actually episode 20. So we're barely yeah. we're approaching the end of season one. If you were to compare it to any of the previous major Star Trek from the old Trek era, like the TNG, For DS9, sure. Voyager, etc. So sometimes people are like, oh, I wish we had more of this. I wish we had more of that. That all those little side things are missing because we don't have enough episodes in these seasons to just put in the side stuff like only really core stuff can get airtime because airtime is so precious um that's a good point i feel like of all the new trek shows though this one could really use those extra episodes like i you know i would be down for it i would be down for longer seasons with this series not so much with discovery but i think both this and discovery would benefit a lot from having room to breathe uh lower decks has kind of a, a frantic, a frenetic energy that I'm not sure, like, having more, like, maybe each if each episode is short and there's just more episodes, then they would, like, sort of preserve it per episode. But I'm not sure, sure that Lower yeah. Decks stretched out would necessarily be a benefit. Discovery, um, I'm a little harsh on Discovery sometimes, but, like, when they do have character moments, those character moments almost always hit. So having more time... Yeah to insert character moments and not have Marvel movie stuff would be, I think, a net (laughs) benefit. (laughs) That totally makes sense. Yeah, I'm right there with you. All right, so let's get into this one. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the episode starts with the USS Cayuga. Cayuga. Uh, Yes, Uh, which the name apparently uh, it's based on an Iroquois tribe from Canada, I believe. Which I thought was kind of cool. I like when they do stuff like that. Sometimes I'll look up the names. I'm like, oh, that's really neat. Cool little uh, reference there. Anyway, so the USS Cayuga uh, is helping out a Federation colony on Parnassus Beta. Uh, Nurse Chapel's there. Uh, she's part of. She's doing part of her fellowship. And then all of a sudden, everything everything seems fine when all of a sudden a shuttle crashes from the sky, and an ominous ship appears in the sky. Uh, the Gorn have returned. Uh, so what'd you think of this opening? Um, I mean, it was fine. It was, uh, I think this is the indicator, this part, this, and then like, when we go back to the planet again, uh, really obviously they didn't have the budget to do up a colony in any amount. And so they've just reused (laughs) some other set from some other production. Yeah. Um, where it's like, oh, it's it's in the style of the the old American Western town or whatever, and they just like went to the set of some Hallmark movie or you know whatever thing, and they're like, all right, yeah. we're just gonna make this be uh, Star Trek, and then and then later like the zombie version of Star Trek. <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, this is definitely a horror themed episode. We've had yeah. you know a lot of different genres in Strange New Worlds, and I think this show pulls it off pretty well. Um, we actually had a, uh, you know, the last Gorn episode last season was kind of in the same vein. You know, that was very uh, influenced by like Ridley Scott's Alien and uh, absolutely, you know, movies like that, Predator, things like that. And you know, this is kind of building off of that. Um, I I'm okay with it as long as the whole show's not like this. If that makes sense, like the occasional edgy episode. I think, I think that's totally kind works. of the theme uh, of this season. Mm-hmm. Is we're gonna take 
the ideas of Star Trek and cross them with something else. Because I've mentioned that there's yeah. sort of like the Doctor Who episode, the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy episode. Oh, yeah, We've got totally. this as like the zombie movie episode. Um, and then the, like Ad Astria Prospera is like basically a justice porn episode. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like an Isaac Asimov story. Well, you know? yeah, all, I guess. Uh... <laughs> Just any any sort of oh, yeah, trial, it's, it's like you, the... you, you have a big trial and then you feel good at mm-hmm. the end that the good guy won the trial and the bad guy lost the trial um right yeah and you're right that's a that's a good point it does feel like the whole season's kind of um all corners of sci-fi yeah they're they're taking different uh whatchamacallit like like crossing in blending in other types of genre because like you know a lot of say tng episodes are sort of generic quote-unquote sci-fi episode to episode and then, like sometimes they'll be like, "Oh, this is the one with everyone's dressed up as a cowboy," or like, "This is the yeah. this is we have a trial episode, but it's sort of here doing its own thing." But most of the time, right. we're being kind of normal. Mm-hmm. Um, and season two of Strange New Worlds didn't seem to quite be as much normal as as people might have thought. Yeah, yeah, and I'm okay with that. Yeah, I I I think that's what makes this show really interesting because you never know what you're gonna get, you know, each week. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I do. I do like uh, that some of the newer treks are getting into some of the horror stuff, just because like that is an element of TOS. Even though it was kind of abandoned more or less with some of the new, some of the stuff past that, but there were some TOS episodes that were kind of going for like a horror vibe, even though it's not scary now. You know what I mean? Yeah, there's um, like like Monster of the Week kind of stuff. There's like one T, maybe one or two TNG episodes one or two ds9 episodes one or two voyager but like even in like seven seasons it's really rare for for a star trek to do kind of a horror ish episode yeah especially like like the full episode like that. yeah uh so yeah the uh the enterprise gets a distress call rushes to their aid uh but finds the other ship destroyed in orbit uh admiral admiral april warns pike that if they cross into their territory they could start a war which I thought was really interesting. Um, I think that that kind of adds an extra layer to this. It's not just a, you know, shooty, shooty space battle. There's like actual stakes here, like political ramifications of what they, what they do here. Yeah. And I think that's a great like Star Trek setup right there. Yeah. Anytime that the, that the characters, cause like the characters have all this equipment and stuff, but if they have to be sneaky about it, that's usually a good uh, limitation. Yeah, definitely. Um, and it, it like <laughs> the situation does sound very hopeless. Uh, you know, Pike assumes that his girlfriend's dead. Spock thinks Chapel's dead. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it there it seems like there's no way to get down to the planet. Um, it's a pretty dire situation, but I love the ingenuity here and what they come up with. Uh, it's it's just really clever. It's good stuff. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the crew decides to basically sneak down to the planet, uh, disguised as the beat up zombie shuttle. <laughs> yeah, you know, making it look like it's just some space debris crashing to the planet from the destroyed ship. Yeah, and I don't know what I thought. This sequence is pretty fun. What did you think? I think it was uh, really good. I like that Ortegas has been itching to get on a mission all season. And Pike says, "Hey, you've you've oh, always wanted to go on a point. mission." And she's like, "Yeah, why why have I wanted to do that? Oh no, 
<laughs> yeah, I got a little worried for her in this episode just because of that. Right. Know? And she wasn't on the safe list. Yeah, exactly. Mm. So <laughs> um, so we get down to the planet. Um, and I got to say, again, with that horror theme, the set designs are really good here. They put a lot of work into this. It's it's pretty creepy. They maybe even went a little too far at points because like I, it was it was you mean um, like the zombified version of the town. Yeah, I'm, like the fire. I'm almost the, positive. I'm pretty sure that this was also a borrowed set from some other production. Because like it feels like if it. it if it wasn't a borrowed set from some other production, then I would say that they did it not that well. Like, oh, why really? are there blood splatters everywhere? And like. Like, like all the Gorn have been eating people or whatever, but everyone was immediately running away, so they wouldn't have yeah. eaten people on those locations. And then, like, there's all these boarded-up windows and stuff, but, like, how long has it been such that everyone had time to board <laughs> up all these windows and, like, make all these survival shelters in every single building? It's just... It felt like yeah. they had... If, if it wasn't... Like, they're just re re quickly reusing some other show's set, then I like I I don't understand where the set direction was at on this episode. Yeah, there was a lot of blood. It was like a like a Mortal Kombat. Level. Yeah, it was definitely a Mortal Kombat episode. <laughs> um, I was also getting some Last of Us vibes here. Um, with like the clicking sounds and yeah. the horn make. Um, and again, that was very very good. I was definitely on the edge of my seat with that. Um, but that felt like kind of like um like a reference. I don't know. <laughs> it was it was kind of on the nose about it. Yeah, and then we get. I think it makes them. Oh, it makes them seem less like a person and more like a beast when they have. Yeah. Like clicking sounds instead of things that sound like a word to us. Like yeah. if if it's a Klingon speaking in something, it's like oh those are Klingon words, but they're still a language. Whereas like lizard clicking doesn't register to your brain as being any kind of language, so it makes it feel more alien. Yeah, definitely. Mm. Um, and it's really interesting how up till this point, we've only seen the baby Gorn, basically, which are the xenomorph types that oh, yeah. eggs and people. They're the really creepy ones, right? Yeah. Um, and I think I think it was really cool that we see an adult Gorn later on uh, because obviously the babies are more animalistic and creepy and, you know, dangerous. But the adult ones like they're intelligent, right? It's the same kind that we saw in, um, you know, the same kind we saw uh, fight in arena. Not exactly, not exactly the same, right? Obviously, because it's not a guy in a rubber mask. Um, but you know, like we get to see that one later on, like using technology and all that. So I'm really glad they finally established, like, okay, they're not just mindless beasts. You know, yeah, I don't know. Again, like they're kind of slowly giving us little details about the Gorn as this series goes on i think yeah. and uh i thought that was kind of clever i think it works pretty well i think particularly like like we see them using spaceships and shuttles and stuff um but yeah. when you put like a face even if it's wearing a spacesuit but like it's a creature that has a thing that we recognize as a face that mm -hmm. um sort of pers personalizes it much more yeah and you can imagine negotiating with one of those rather than the babies that are just trying to eat your face. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, I do like how the ship designs have been done so far, by the way. We haven't seen that many of them. There was, like, 
I think one episode last season. Yeah, they have um, the shuttle and then the big ship, and that's kind of the, it. Yeah, and we we saw we got a good shot of uh, that like big what do you call it mothership I guess yeah uh, in orbit um, in in this episode at the beginning and I thought that was just a crazy looking design uh, very unique very different from a lot of the alien ships we've seen before uh, but feels very alien you know what I mean like yeah it's like uh, a definitely it's the sort opposite of, of like Federation design it's kind of twisted. It's kind of yeah. like a like a spiral pasta or something like that. It's got a a yeah. swooping nature to it. Yeah, it feels almost organic, but there's not like a lot of logic in how it's laid out, you know? Yeah. At least yeah, aesthetically to us. Yeah, it's, like, it's, oh, it's not weird. obvious what's going on. Exactly. Um so around this point in the episode we meet Scotty. Can't believe it. Scotty's in this episode. Can't believe it. It's Scotty. He's here. <laughs> What did you think of New Scotty? I uh, liked New Scotty quite a bit. And I think that like his accent seems a little different, but that's fine. I like it. I, I, I love yeah. everything about this Scotty performance. No notes. I think, and I'm not positive because I don't actually know anyone from Scotland, but maybe it's a more authentic Scottish accent than we've gotten in the past i i'm not 100 percent positive oh yeah i mean there's there's definitely lots of parts but, of scotland so yeah that's true yeah uh but james duon um i believe he was oh yeah i think was... i think the lore there is it's they like they asked james duhan like what what accent beyond your standard accent can you do consistently and he just tried a few uh... And then, like, when he was kind of doing his Scottish-sounding accent, they're like, oh, we'll keep that one. And so that's what he performed with. <laughs> that sounds about right. I mean, it was the 60s. Yeah. But, yeah, no, this this sounds very authentic to me. I, I like it. Um, he, he definitely nails the character. This feels like a young Scotty. Uh, it definitely reminded me of Simon Pegg's version a little bit, especially, yeah. with, like, meeting him on another planet in the middle of a situation. I thought that was kind of kind of interesting. Yeah, and like he's got kind of a there. like a sheepish youthfulness to him. He's he's mm -hmm. c cooking up all these like schemes and devices, and he's like, well, I don't even know exactly if it's gonna work, but like, I here have this thing. Hopefully, it solves your problem. Right. <laughs> yeah, I was I was so happy to see him. That that was a that was a great moment. Um, but yeah, he was he was awesome throughout the episode. I thought we get this great moment later on towards the end of the episode. Uh, where they beam up and Scotty's got a, like an armful of like equipment <laughs> and like Pike's just like talking and like completely forgets about him. He's like, oh, sorry. Um, and uh, Scotty meets um, Pelia, but it turns out they know each other. Uh, you know, he was apparently her best student, according to her. With her worst grades. Cool. Yes. <laughs> so I thought that was really, that was really. Yeah. Um, I wonder, I'm guessing, does that mean we'll actually get more Scotty next season? Um, like as a regular? I presume. I, yeah. They, they could be like, oh, he's going to leave the Enterprise and then someday he'll be assigned to the Enterprise again. But I think it might be easier like to just be Kirk. like, okay, you're on the Enterprise. You're not even chief engineer. You're like assistant engineer, right? And then yeah. Pelia is there for season three. And then, like, at the end of season three, she goes off and does whatever it is she does as an immortal, and we promote Scotty to chief engineer. And it, we get that sort of that building, that development of rank that we'd like to see. Definitely. 
Yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, so let's see. Back on the Enterprise, uh, Spock decides to manually uh, head over to the remains of the ship and crash it into the planet, taking out an inhibitor tr- uh, tower, making it look like a coincidence, I guess, so they can transport the survivors off. Yeah, I'm not... I don't know that it's important that it looks like a coincidence. I think it's... He's just trying to make it... It's going to do a course correction. Like, it's going to look like it's going one direction, and then it's going to course correct yeah. at the last minute. So as long as the Gorn yeah. don't shoot it down too soon is is more what he's concerned with. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And um, this part, he he several times in the discussion says that only he could do it. No human could possibly do it. And then when he gets over there, he, like, takes out a stick and sticks it on the ground and pushes a button. And that's that's all he does. <laughs> Anybody can do that. Oh, man, I didn't even think about that. I'm like, That's Sam great. Kirk could be over there pulling out the stick and sticking it on the ground, hitting a button. Anybody can do that, Spock. Yeah, but Sam Kirk probably would not have survived that Gordon fight. Right, yeah. And I mean, I think <laughs> I think Kirk or, or I think Spock was just basically lying about the difficulty um, so that he could get on yeah. the ship and potentially look around for Chapel. Man, I think you're right. I think that's a very good point. Um, I mean, cause this is very personal for him at this point. Yeah. Yeah. And we get some really good moments, like really intense moments during this whole sequence. Uh, cause chapel sees Spock, but can't like get a hold of him. Uh, so she has to like suit up in her zero G yeah. suit as well. There's, um, there's a bunch of sections on the saucer of the Cayuga that still have uh, pressure. And yeah. because Chapel's a main character, she's the only person that can wake up and <laughs> escape. Uh, like, there's a whole bunch of other bodies around her. Is anyone else unconscious? Should she wake them up? No, doesn't matter. Uh, we're only Chapel's a main <laughs> character. Uh, oh, so man. she's the she's only right. one that gets to put on a spacesuit. And so here's the thing. That uh-huh. Gorn that they fight against, that's a practical yeah. effect. That's actually a guy in a big suit. And they, no. they, yeah, they had really? like like wires and crane it? stuff, and like that's pretty much like real oh. quote unquote special effects. That's incredible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it looked really. That's good. why it looks that, good. That explains it. They, they spent yeah. the time to do a practical <laughs> effect. Practical effects basically always win. Oh, I agree. I'm all about those practical effects. Um, they actually did some really interesting ones last season as well. There was a creature, like. That was a completely new species, but like it was all practical, and I thought they did an amazing job with that. Mm. Um, so it's cool to see more of that here. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, I thought the, the the design was great, like the suit and everything, the spikes. Um, very slick. Very very cool. So I can't quite recall, but do you remember mm-hmm. if the Gorn have a big tail naturally, or is the tail just just the suit? So. It kind of depends on which version. <laughs> okay. And some have speculated that it might be like with the Klingons, there might be different, you know, oh, races okay. within their species. Yeah. Because the Gorn that Kirk fights doesn't have a tail. But then in that one Enterprise episode, mm-hmm. there's a CG Gorn that does have a does tail. Have a tail. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So, uh, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Maybe... You know, maybe we'll get a rubber-looking Gorn later on that's, like, in charge of everything. Okay. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, no, I, I really liked all this stuff. We get, I think, one of the coolest uh, fight sequences in, I don't know, Star Trek history, maybe? Uh, we get a zero-G fight. We get a zero-G fight, 
it was weirdly slow motion in a lot of it in a way that I felt was kind of confusing. Like, why is everyone acting yeah. in slow motion? I don't, I don't quite get it. Um, uh, I guess, yeah, it's, hmm, that's a good, that's a good point. I think it's because like, like people have less control over how they're moving. And like, once you're not touching anything, if you don't have a jetpack or whatever, then you're just going to be stuck drifting in slow motion. But yeah, like when, when Spock and the, the guy are like both holding onto the handrail and punching each other or whatever, that should go at normal mm. speed, right? <laughs> yeah, no, you're totally right. Um, I think it's just, how do I even put this? Like, making it look realistic uh, might look weird to the audience, I guess. Because, like, I, in, in zero-G scenes that we're used to seeing in movies and stuff, they tend to go a little slower, and a lot of times that's because, you know, they're, like, underwater or things like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I'm not really sure I have an answer for this one. Um, if, if the director was trying to like, just go for an effect, I didn't yeah. quite get it. And I think that was a little yeah. bit of a miss. I do like the moment though, where, uh, chapel is reaching for the phaser. Oh yeah. I thought that was kind of cool. And, and she like, she can't because quite reach it and stuff. Yeah. That, that was a good tension. Yeah. And that felt kind of accurate to to zero g a little bit yeah because the way the phaser was spinning and stuff and i don't know and then uh, and like her foot yeah just the way they did that the yeah yeah she's wise, she was she was like hooking her toes part. onto the thing so she didn't go too far yeah that was all very yeah, good because she could have gone right out the uh right out the, right at the front and, yeah you know. yeah exactly <laughs> um, um and then well so that was she cool. grabs the phaser and turns and shoots the gorn exactly once and i'm like mm -hmm. what are you doing unload the whole energy pack blast him <laughs> blast him blast him get him yeah and i just no, got so confused i guess uh did she hit him straight in the face mask no so she why? hits him in the back oh. and then he's stunned the gorn is stunned for just a second and then spock breaks off a piece of like spiked steel or whatever and then and then spikes the through yeah. the gorn's face mask with uh with the steel that was that was pretty cool. Yeah, it was it was cool. <laughs> um I think what I'm really enjoying about the action in this show is that it's kind of like the Abrams movies, but it's not too much. You know, it's like just enough cool stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, to balance out everything else. I guess yeah, that's the the problem with the with those movies is they kind of went a little too far with the action. And this is a lot more balanced. Uh but when they do have action, it's, you know, high budget stuff you know it looks great it looks re it does look really good like i i was yeah. even if i give him a a bit of a, a harsh time on the the slow-mo effect like it did look good the whole time <laughs> yeah i mean and they even crashed a saucer into a planet and it, it probably looked as good as it does in the movies i think it looked very nice <laughs> yeah um yeah i mean if you're gonna crash a saucer you know it better look good <laughs> I'm, I'm at least it wasn't the enterprise because that that would really that, that's happened enough times by now, you know? <laughs> yeah. Honestly, um, like, crashing a saucer from that high up into the planet would probably have caused way more devastation, I feel. But that's that's <laughs> yeah. okay. The main characters have to survive, so... Yeah, yeah, that planet would be kind of messed up. Yeah. <laughs> um, Especially if you consider, like, if they have, like, uh, what is it, the warp drive on there and stuff? Well, it was just the yeah. saucer section, so presumably... That's true. ...not too much of it was like actually explosive but just in terms of mass like dropping yeah. that much in one place from that high 
is really gonna cause a problem yeah definitely definitely um yeah this was also a constitution class right so yeah i guess the the warp core went yeah um yeah so yeah uh yeah basically let's see how did this episode end <laughs> um we crashed okay, the saucer so scotty has a uh a partial cloak device and so they mm, go right. to his shuttle to get the cloaky device that can hide from Gorn sensors um, out of the shuttle. And then that's when mm -hmm. they see uh, Pike. Um, um, what's her name? The Captain Marie something. Marie uh, Battelle. Battelle. Captain Battelle. Yeah. Cap yeah. Uh, Pike, Pike Battelle. We finally and... found out her name. Yeah. <laughs> um, Pike Battelle and Scotty. That's when they see the saucer section crash down. And so, so Scotty picks up his device, and they they get beamed back up to the ship, and he starts trying to install it right away with with Pelia. Mm -hmm. Um, but the rest of the group they get beamed away, but they get beamed away by the wrong special effect. It turns out they get beamed away by the Gorn special oh, effect. Yeah. They've all been picked up by the Gorn. I kind of like that. That's like always been a thing, uh, at least since the movie era. I want to say. Where like the different species have their own teleporter effect, like the Klingons have this red beam, um, mm -hmm. the Borg have kind of a green shimmery thing going on. Uh, yep. This was kind of like a wavy effect, I want to say. Yeah, it's kind of a wobbly, bubbly sort of look. Yeah, but yeah, no, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's not good. <laughs> and we also find out, I believe, I think Spock uh, finds out that. Or no, he's scanning for survivors, and they found a scan that the Gorn had teleported the rest of the survivors onto their ship. Yes, because uh, so uh, Spock and Chapel get back, and mm -hmm. Pike, Battelle, um, Scotty get back, and then when Pike gets to the bridge, he says, "All right, beam everyone else back, and then we're gonna get out of here." And Spock's like, "There's no one else. What are you talking about?" Um, <laughs> And he goes to double yeah. check, and he's like, oh, we found there's a Gorn transport signature from a few minutes ago. Uh, oops. So they just lost uh, a bunch of colonists along with Mabenga and Ortegas. Yeah. And was there any... Oh, Laon. Laon was in the was in the captured group. Oh, that's right. Um, oh, and we should also point out, we get that reveal that Battelle... She's oh, and infected. Sam. Oh, Sam's I think also... Sam, I think Sam gets yeah. grabbed, too. Okay. Um, but yeah, we, we get that reveal that Patel has been infected. She's got some, uh, That's right. growing in her. They put her in a stasis field, hopefully so that she can be, uh, fixed up however she's fixed. Yeah. It's looking, it's looking kind of dire. Like she says, if you need to just finish me off or something like that. Yeah. Uh, chapel, you know, Pike, Pike says, like do everything you can or something and chapel says of course you know <laughs> i can't remember the exact words but there was like a really like emotional exchange there that thought was uh pretty effective um we kind of don't know how this is going to turn out uh because yeah uh shortly after that pikes up at the bridge um a gore destroyer shows up there's lots of lasers going off and we cut to a cliffhanger <laughs> yeah to be continued well, now we have to wait probably two years for the uh, <laughs> yeah. for the for the for the follow up because you know 
as we've been saying, current events. there is a strike that is ongoing, and until the strike is resolved, they can't even begin to create the next season. And even, like, once they start the process of creating the next season, it will probably take an entire year to go through all the writing and pre-production and so forth. Yeah, I, I think two years is probably about right, especially with looking how, how the strike's going so far and how long people think it might go on. Um you know, fingers crossed. Not not because I mean, obviously, I want more Star Trek, but I I do care more about the creators getting their due. Um, right. So, um, we've mentioned yeah, it before. I mean, if they if they end up calling for a str- a strike or something, you know, uh, it, not a strike. Sorry, a boycott? a boycott. If they end up calling for a boycott, you know, I'm I'm all there. You know. Yeah. Um. Unfortunately, the um, the messaging from the uh, guilds has been a little confused. I think I think what really happened is that. Um, they said, hey, you could email us if you want additional information. And then a lot of people sent in emails. And then at first, they didn't ask for much. And then a few days after that, they realized, hey, people keep emailing us. Maybe we can ask for bigger signs of support. Um, And so there was kind of that shift in response uh, over the course of several days. Um, Yeah. I know... Some people have said there there was a big talk on a more civilized age, which normally covers Star Wars, um, but they had Yo, one of yeah, the people on true. from uh, from the unions, and he gave a big talk for like hour and a half, two hours, however long it was. Um, let me see if I can a or uh, let's see um, AMCA number sixty eight. Um, has the interview with one of the union uh, people, and he answers a whole bunch of questions. So if you want to have information about that, you can go check out AMCA number sixty-eight. Awesome. Yeah. the uh, the scary The scary thing about the situation is how the CEOs are handling it or not handling it. Um, was it Bob Iger of Disney and Zaslav over at WB? They've both said a lot of stuff that just sounds. I don't. Even, they're so out of touch. <laughs> they're they're incredibly out of touch. And yeah. like what they have, what they've done as a group is they've created, um, basically their own uh, group of lawyers, like one lawyer from each of the uh, the companies that each of the studios, and they go into a room, and then the unions go into the room, and then lo- the lawyers say no to whatever the unions propose. The lawyers just say no over and over. Um, and that's like the lawyers don't even like the lawyers aren't authorized to say yes to anything really. Um, and so all that, like all that can be done is to cause a ruckus big enough, such as through striking that the people back at the studios have to listen and they can't just use that little buffer of lawyers and not actually do anything about it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Uh, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll see how that turns out. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it gets resolved sooner rather than later. Yeah. Um, but back to the episode, what did you think of this cliffhanger? I thought it was okay. Yeah. Um, most, so I don't know if you know this about Star Trek cliffhangers, but back in the (laughs) TNG era, particularly at least, Uh um, the people that worked on part one and the people that worked on part two weren't the same. That's true. And like, yeah. Um, at the end of the Best of Both Worlds Part One, 
they had no idea what was going to happen in the best of both worlds part two they just made a cliffhanger and then went on break and good luck to whoever writes the second part of that yeah Yeah, and thankfully Um, they did stick the landing but that is crazy to think about that there wasn't really a plan of how to resolve that they they kind of stuck the landing but also like it's a complete like the 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 themes and arcs of the second part have nothing to do with what happened in the first part yeah they're just completely disconnected <laughs> and there's just like the, the slightest little bit of connection in and like the 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 last two minutes in the first two minutes or whatever yeah and then other than that like all of what's important about each episode is totally different and they're great episodes totally but it's um so like i don't i suspect probably that they have no idea how part two is supposed to be resolved. They don't even have like a one sentence summary of what happens in part two of this of this Gorn scenario. Oh, wow. um, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I I haven't spoken to any writers or anything. It's just a pure <laughs> guess, but I'm just guessing that they have no idea, and that unless it's the exact same uh, exact same writer, unless it's actually written by Henry Alonzo Myers mm. for Hegemony Part Two then it'll just be some totally new thing and the, the it'll be a new dice roll as to whether or not it's a good or bad episode <laughs> yeah that's a that's yeah that's a good point which I, is I, not I, just like yeah. most of the episodes are, have been very high quality on average i don't want to say that some other writer couldn't also get it we've had a lot of good writers on this show but you know yeah, it's still it's a strange thing that they like Hopefully so compared to like yeah uh stargate for example, has a lot of two-parters and particularly they had a lot of like cliffhangers in the end of seasons and stuff. But as far as I could tell, they kind of knew how the next season was going to start. Like, like if you yeah. watch the two part one and part two close together, it forms like a continuity. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Star Trek just has this bizarre thing that it does. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to wait and see, I guess. Hopefully we don't have to wait too long. But um, I, I thought it was pretty effective. I uh, <laughs> I was kind of shocked by it. I, I wasn't paying attention to the time. And I was just mm. like, like kind of sweating. Like, how's Pike going to get out of this one? <laughs> you know? And then. It oh, yeah. Once, once he beamed thing. back to the ship. Yeah. 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 I, I, and like, everyone else was beamed somewhere else. Ugh. I was like, oh, <laughs> yep. My wife was was laughing at me because I was like, what? Mm. No way. No way. Like, I was in denial. I was like, you, can, you can't be serious. That's not how you're leaving this season. <laughs> uh, so I guess, to me, because I, w- again, was so locked in the episode, it really caught me off guard. And I think in that way, it was kind of an effective cliffhanger. Because even though I'm willing to wait, I can't wait. You know? <laughs> uh, you know, I'm, I'm very invested I think in all these characters. I want to know what happens. Having... The exact way that it went to a cliffhanger with with Pike being so stunned for so long, mm-hmm. like seemingly like an entire minute of him not really even knowing what to say. I felt that was out of character for Pike. Maybe he always seems to be on top of it. And like, I feel like he would have given maybe he could have given some orders and like it doesn't work to like yeah. fill up that last minute of time. And then like after two or three things haven't worked, that's when you you'd be like to be continued. Yeah, I guess in this case, it's probably because they kind of ran out of time. I mean, there's a lot going on in this episode. It's not a short one, so. Or, yeah, but I mean, like, 
it could have been the same amount of runtime or like or like end it sooner but basically i didn't like that he was sort of standing there and everyone kept saying what are your orders sir yeah. for like 30 or 40 seconds and i'm like i don't know pike is usually more with it more more quick and savvy i felt like that was yeah a little unexpected well and you know he's definitely i think emotionally compromised <laughs> Yeah, Battelle had just been like infected with a bunch of eggs and stuff, but he's sort of running low on spoons. They they call it. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm going with it. That's you know, which is obviously not something we see from that character. Uh, because you're right, he is yeah. usually on top of it. He's, you know, I think he's one of the best Starfleet captains we've seen in the franchise. He, you know, uh, but yeah, this is uh, you know, him at his lowest. I guess we'll yeah. um We'll have to see. We'll have to see where it goes. You know. Yeah, I'd say him uh, and Cisco. Yeah, Cisco's up there for sure. And I, again, it, it kind of depends on what kind of situation, like which captain you want at that time. You know. Right. Uh, this kind of situation, you probably want a Kirk. <laughs> um, but who knows? Yeah. Um. So, what did you think of season two as a whole? Now that we've watched it all. Um, I pretty much liked it. Yeah, I'm not sure I liked it as much as season one uh, in terms of like, I think maybe like I liked six or seven of the episodes instead of maybe eight or nine of the episodes like I did with season one. Yeah, I haven't kept too close of a count, but just sort of my my thoughts um, and maybe I'll, I'll sort of warm up to it, you know, because it's it only ended just the other day. Yeah. So when you let it when you sit with it for a bit, maybe opinions can go up or down um for sure some like i heard some people some other folks talking about uh ad astria per aspera and i realized that yeah there's probably more holes that you could poke in that episode so maybe my initial very high reaction of it should sort of come down to a more a more middle level um and just you know you, you sit on it until you come to like a final conclusion a few months later yeah, definitely. Um, I will say my initial reaction is that I freaking love this whole season. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm kind of easy to please, but as far as like compared to like the rest of New Trek, this is this is great. Um, there was like I think I think just the one episode I was kind of met on, and that was the what was that plan? The one with the, the memory lotus issues. eaters among the lotus eaters yeah. with the memory problems. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. bad, but it wasn't like anything, you know, to write home about. <laughs> yeah, I um, guess. Yeah, some people that talked about it blank. said that like if you, if you like have known more personally someone that has gone through dementia or like yeah, memory that. problems, then it can be like a really emotional, really hard hitting episode. Sure. But. I mean, we're younger people. We don't necessarily know folks that have had that directly. So, yeah, yeah I could see how it wouldn't bounce. It, it wouldn't work as well for us. Yeah, it's definitely not a bad episode. Uh, yeah, but yeah. as far as, like, compared to the rest, because uh, there's a lot of a lot of great ones. Um, I loved um, what they did with Kirk's character throughout the season. That was a huge surprise. Uh, Hura got a lot of development. Um, I was, yeah, I was completely stunned by how well it worked out to do Kirk. Because, oh, yeah. you know, the, the, the Star Trek 2009 Kelvinverse stuff, that's kind of okay, but I really didn't want that take on Kirk to be in this show. And yeah. then 
They're like, oh, it's, sense, it's not like you. TOS Kirk. It's not like Kelvin vs. Kirk. It's a whole third type of Kirk. Yeah. <laughs> it's a whole different thing that you yeah. haven't seen before. And I'm like, yes, I want I want this new thing. I want to... Because, I, I mean, that's always what I want from Star Trek, is to, like, show me something that I haven't quite seen before, right. remix it a little bit, give me some new presentation. Definitely. I think that was needed uh, for some of these characters, especially... especially um, and we, we talked about that to death on a few other episodes. You know, it was awesome to see a little yeah. bit more nuance <laughs> with his character. Um, and, yeah, like you said, he's not the Chris Pine version, who's a little edgier. And there's reasons for that with that version. But, yeah, no, I like the the more grounded, you know, lighthearted but serious version. You know, I, I'm not even sure how to put I it I would say words, that he know? was... I would say that he's less edgy than the Chris Pine version. Like, like that's what I the mean. Chris yeah, the Chris Pine version, version is, is yeah, yeah. He's because of his circumstances. Yeah. Well, I think I think it's because of J.J. Abrams and what J.J. Abrams says is supposed to be cool masculine guy, and apparently cool <laughs> masculine guy is like peeping on ladies, and I'm like, no, that's not yeah, good. That's Stop doing that. <laughs> that is a trope that needs to die for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, no that. Uh, Again, I, I didn't hate the Abrams stuff, but it wasn't, you know, there was certain things missing. And I think that this show really nails the elements that those movies. Um, so, yeah, yes. I'm, I'm really I'm really uh, excited to see more eventually. Um, I think it might be one of the one of the best Trek series so far. I mean, we're only two seasons in only 20 episodes in. We'll have to see, mm-hmm. you know, maybe, <laughs> you know, it could go all, all downhill from here. But so far, I'm, I'm really happy with. It. OK. So, do you want to make any bets about season three as to things that we definitely will or won't see? Ooh, that's a... Any oh, predictions? Man. This is a good question. Yeah. Well, okay, we should start by saying last time we were predicted who was going to die, and I don't think anyone died. Well, I mean, a lot no of people one died, has died no, no yet. main characters. Well, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, no one with a, with a name has died yet. Yeah, and you know i'd be okay with no one dying that'd be that'd be nice for once you know <laughs> um i hope uh hope um what's her name captain Battelle. i hope she's okay yeah you know okay uh, i definitely i don't want to lose ortegas or mm-hmm. well we can't we can't lose obviously uh but ortegas we need we need an ortegas centric episode like i think that's what yeah. we do at this that's something i definitely want i also want to see rain wilson back as mud I feel like it's a complete missed opportunity that we haven't seen him in a couple years, you know? I think he definitely would fit because, like, his his record in TOS is that he's basically up to an unknown number of criminal hijinks. So there's always mm-hmm. space to do another mud criminal hijinks. Oh, yeah. So I'd like to see more of him. Um, maybe a triple episode, but I don't know, you know, because... That's one of those things that might be breaking canon a little bit because I don't think most of the crew of the Enterprise was familiar with Tribbles. In they TOS. they were not, and I'm not sure. I think after the two Tribble episodes, like in, in the full show, the two yeah. Tribble episodes, and then also the short treks that has the Tribbles. Yeah, I like that one I'm not lot, sure there's actually. much more that can be said about <laughs> Tribbles. Like, you're not going to make a fourth Tribble episode that's better than any of those three. So well, sometimes you should just sort of let it sit, I think. Yeah, they're so iconic, though. And it just feels like it's something they might have to touch on at some point in this series. But I don't know. I mean, there, I, if, if they sometimes off, I mean, you know, <laughs> there's there's certainly like too much of a good thing, I think. Like, yeah, 
Because like, what do the Tribbles really do? They're fuzzy and they breed fast. So we're going to get another episode where they just fuzzily breed fast? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> Here's an idea. What if it's a Klingon-centric episode where the Klingons are dealing with it? <laughs> okay. Because we, could, we did I get that line from Worf, yeah. you know, where he's like... They're About how they went to the war Klingon with Empire. the Tribbles? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I could so imagine that, story. That, they get, that, that they get a name drop. Like, they're yeah. talking to some Klingons, and then at the end, the Klingons like, look, we gotta get out of here, we gotta go fight these Tribbles, they're just the worst. And Kirk's like, I've... What's that? I've never heard of those. And they're like, no, we, you, we don't even want to tell you. It's, they're just too horrible yeah, to talk classified. about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, no, yeah, th that could be fun, I guess. Um, and I don't know. There's so many things they could do in there. I feel like we... I'm going to I'm going to make a bet that sure. we will not see a McCoy in season 3. I'm betting against seeing McCoy. I'd be okay with that. I feel like they kind of need to hold off on like introducing all of these characters all at once. Right. You like, can't have everyone do, all at once. I don't want to see Chekhov on the show at all. Like that wouldn't make sense, you know? <laughs> um Well, Ch Chekhov is like 13 at this point. He was like yeah. one of the youngest people on the ship and it's like 9 years before or whatever. Right. Yeah, and he didn't even show up in the first season, so yeah, I don't want to see Chekhov. Uh I'd be okay uh holding off on McCoy, especially because we already got Scotty, you know. Um, right. We we have to do a whole thing to get to know Scotty. We still have to get to know Ortegas, really. Right. Yeah, and she's a main character. I mean, we've kind of we've touched on Laon and Ahura some, but we could do we could stand to have a little more Una. I think cuz so. like yeah. The 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 episode we got about her wasn't exactly about her, it was more like kind of conditions near her exactly like who is she as a person now? I would yeah. like to see more of. For sure. Yeah, not just about her species or being persecuted. Yeah. Which, I mean, those are really interesting things and good storylines, but I would like sure. to see something that's very character-focused about her. Uh, yeah. I do think she's been a little underutilized. I feel like she had a lot of big moments in her few appearances in Discovery. And, yeah, I don't know. It just feels like she's kind of like a minor character, even though she's the first officer. The the first officer is a minor character. What is this, Star Trek Voyager? <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, um, I guess what's one thing you don't want to see <laughs> going forward in the show? Um, besides uh, McCoy, and I don't want to see. Another thing I don't want to see is, um, you know, I think I could say I don't want to see any more time stuff. Yeah, there's a lot of like they could weird really things that can break. happen in Star Trek. Yeah, yeah. we can we can just skip time stuff We've for had a season. So much of it. We've had so much of it recently. We, we're getting a high rate of time stuff, and yeah. I'm just, we can go without it. Yeah, there was like uh, two big time travel storylines in Discovery. There's been a couple in Strange New Worlds already. You know, it's we're only two seasons in, and it's like kind of slow down, you know? <laughs> those yeah. are things that, that work well when they're done sparingly. And to be fair, those episodes have been really good, but I'd be okay taking a break from them. That said... Yeah. I think it would be cool to revisit the temporal cold war at some point. I don't know if this shows the best place to do that, or maybe this last season of discovery, but I would like some closure on that. <laughs> if it, you're right. You're right. And it's good that you said that. And I want to thank you specifically for saying that if they, <laughs> if it was a, a time travel thing. episode yeah. that specifically said the phrase temporal cold war, yes, then it gets a pass. 
Okay. Yeah, that's the... I'm okay with not having it next season, but just, like, eventually in the show, I think it would be cool. Sure, it could be any time. Mm-hmm. It literally can be any time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's how that works, I think. Um, and um, then the other thing is Romulans. Um, I don't know if they should really even touch that, you know? <laughs> Unless we're going to see, like, the, the Earth-Romulan wars in a flashback or something. You know, I'd, it could really mess with canon if they if they do anything significant with the Romulans prior to just yeah. my personal opinion. But it, then again, the Gorn thing, like, you know, that seems to be working so far, even though that was kind of <laughs> supposedly a brief. I'm not sure that there's much there with the Romulans yeah. to like because because, yeah, assuming that we're sort of preserving that the balance of power is the only real time mm-hmm. that we've seen the Romulans in the last hundred years, then like there's going to be another it's like a ship but then at the end of the episode it was remotely controlled by the romulans the whole time like that one thing in enterprise and it's like oh, yeah. you did that you did that the one time yeah. that was your opportunity <laughs> yeah and they now did we're just not going to talk about romulans yeah we could talk about cardassians that's true cardassians there's a awesome. lot to, w- w- the first this would actually be pre bajoran invasion yeah wow there's a lot of this would be there. we could see bajor before the cardassians occupy it because the Ooh. occupation was supposed to be like 60 years, right? Yeah. So this would be pre pre Cardassian occupation think, of Bajor. I think we could right. go to Bajor. We could see so many wondrous things. That sounds amazing. One other thing I just thought of. Uh, shoot. And I just lost it. <laughs> so sorry. Oh, man. It's like on the tip of my brain. Shoot. I don't know. Did you have anything else? Um, That I do or don't want to see. I'm going to predict that there will be four Captain Pike dinner scenes throughout the next season. <laughs> if it's at least assuming that it's a 10 episode season, yeah. I'm assume I'm predicting 40% Captain Pike dinner scenes. I'm okay with that. I I've been uh, you know, a fan of that so far. Oh, I just remembered yeah. what it was. Hmm? Enterprise. I want an Enterprise crossover or I want to see some characters from Enterprise coming into this series. Like to Paul, to Paul is definitely alive at the, you know. Um... To Paul is alive at this point. What if? What if? Mm-hmm. We, because uh, we've mentioned the novels before, and we've mentioned that in the novels mm-hmm. that Trip became an op- an operative against the Romulans, and that was his <laughs> cover story for why he had faked his death and so forth. What if they mention? that he was an operative at some point yeah, and then like canon. implicitly canonize those novels dude that would make me so happy it's <laughs> a good I mean, way to sell novels enterprise got done dirty you know i mean it was getting really good and they they got canceled right as you know they were leading into some stuff um yeah. i think you know it's an imperfect show but i i think it deserves more recognition um, right and part of the problem is because it's a prequel there's not a lot of opportunities like further in the future to reference it, but this is kind right. of a good opportunity right here. Cause it's not too far removed from that. Like they even referenced it in an episode this season, which I thought was great, but I'd well, like there's to a picture a of the NX one yeah. in the meeting room. Yeah. I think that's great. That's such a nice touch. Um, so I mean, yeah. all that has to happen is they like, they, they, they bring the ambassador mm-hmm. for the, for the, for the foobars on board. And they go to the meeting room and they're like, ah, here. And then he turns and sees the picture. He's like, oh, what's this lovely piece of art? And then they can talk about the ship. Yeah. That, that's It would be really simple. And then they could 
you know, reintroduce whatever, and that would lead into, you know, whatever B-plot and so forth. Oh, yeah. I mean, we... <laughs> That could actually literally lead into a flashback of the Earth Romulan War, and then we get to see the events of uh, that Enterprise oh during that war with Zapal, and then you get the return of Trip, and then they reunite, and you know who knows? Like, there's so many possibilities with that. Look, we get a happy I'm not ending for to say, Trip. I'm just saying, like, that's we that's do want a happy ending for Trip. That I'm not trying to, to say all Vulcans know each other, <laughs> yeah. but what if Spock? knows something about T'Pol. So mean, when they look at the poster, yeah. then he has a flashback about what T'Pol did in the past or whatever. Ooh. And then it can like relate to how he's reacting to the crew in the present. And he's like using her example mm. as like a like, like a that. demonstration of how to behave, whatever you call that. And so then he can change his own behavior around the ship. It would just be good. Thinking of the timeline, that would actually make a lot of sense. Like it, you would assume that Spock would actually look up to her you know um right because she, she was, was the, the first... first vulcan to work with humans that closely yeah exactly so you know that actually makes a lot of sense it's kind of weird that they haven't done that yet yeah hopefully in season three we'll see <laughs> all right. um all right well uh i guess any final thoughts on stranging worlds uh no additional thoughts um Entertainment Community Fund. I don't think we said that out loud earlier. The Entertainment oh. Community Fund, if you want to do some direct action, you can donate some dollars, and it will keep writers and actors in their homes while the strike is ongoing. Yeah. Well, and I just want to thank you, Locator, for helping to put this season together. You know, it's been a lot of fun, and I really yeah. appreciate it. Um, I know it's, you know, <laughs> definitely a commitment to cover a whole season, uh, but I'm glad at least the two of us were able to do it. I know everyone else has a lot going on right now. Yeah, um, most other people only made it for one or two episodes. And I'm glad that they did. Every time we had totally. other people, they were also great hosts as well. Definitely. And, you know, hopefully we get the, the main show back up and rolling soon. We'll have to have you on at some point. We actually got like a whole backlog of episodes that haven't come out yet. But we've got mm, some good yeah, stuff yeah. that we're, we're planning on rolling out uh, over the next few months. Uh, fingers crossed. But uh, where can people find you? Uh, I'm uh, Locathor on Twitter. Locathor.com has a whole bunch of links and stuff. Uh, I, I Anchor.fm slash Locathor has I do like a video game let's play podcast thing. So there's a there's options to hear me talk. Awesome. And uh, you're also on the Super Switch Club occasionally. I'm occasionally this. I'm more often an editor of the episodes than I am a contributor to the episodes. Although uh, there was a patreon super switch club episode that came out just today and i uh spoke in the in that episode that's right but yeah that's a that's a fun podcast if, if any of you listeners haven't heard it yet basically a nintendo podcast where we're playing through a lot of different games on the you know nintendo switch online a lot of retro gaming you know nes super nintendo n64 all that good stuff uh we have a we have a fun time with but yeah i, I think that's about it for this episode uh, where do you want to beam to? <laughs> uh, I mean, we're not beaming anywhere. What's going to happen is we're just going to get into the into the transporter buffer and then be held in stasis for two years straight oh. until the next episode comes out. Yeah, that's just how it goes sometimes. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you crash on a Dyson sphere and you just got to put yourself in the buffer. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, what's what's the order for that? To to. For a transport I think we buffer? just say computer energize and then the oh. automatic thingy just automatically handles it, I guess. There you go. Yeah. All right. All right. Computer energize. <laughs>